Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Hello and welcome to the best in the world with Rich Parr. This week's guest is Damien Ryder. He broke three endurance world records when he paddleboarded from the Gold Coast to Bondi Beach in Sydney for 800 kilometers over 17 days. It's an incredible achievement and it was all to raise awareness for child abuse, part of his charity puzzle against child abuse. Damien Ryder was a victim of child abuse himself, so has been raising awareness with this incredible feat. He was doing around 50 kilometers a day, and then he'd stop in each town and pass on more information and awareness about child abuse. Incredible story from him today. He's been named Men's Health Man of the Year in Australia. He's had his story documented by National Geographic in Australia and when that comes out online I'll let you know how you can watch it because it's an amazing story. This is a fantastic chat with Damien Ryder. Great to have him on this week's show. Talks a lot about mental toughness to get through real challenges. Really good chat with Damien. Now, I need to apologize because this show is a little bit late. I know this is supposed to be every Wednesday, but at least the shows are coming out every week. Okay, yes, I know that sounds like excuses, and I can probably list them of very busy trying to get guests. It's only me. I'm doing this, that, the other. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say sorry. But if you do want to help me help the show... What I'd really love you to do is help me out with my sponsor. This week's show is brought to you by Audible and I'm going to give you, the listener, a free audio book and a 30-day free audio book trial with Audible. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash best, that's best for best in the world, audibletrial.com forward slash best for that free audiobook and 30 day free trial with audible trust me that is worth doing and trust me this interview is worth listening to with damien Ryder. the best in the world podcast with richard parr Damien Ryder, welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. Really glad to have you on the show. So much to talk about. We're going to be talking about 
your paddleboarding and your world records and everything around that. But why don't you first tell us what your background was in sports and athletics before you took on that challenge? So for me, I've always um, turned to sports like from a young age. So I even started off playing soccer in school and baseball and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I guess sort of the main sports for me that I focused on and was sort of more drawn to were the extreme sports back in the day. So skateboarding. So I started riding a skateboard from the age of about seven, I guess. And that sort of led into surfing for me, then snowboarding and then continued with uh, sort of board sports. Um, you know, then I picked up a bit of motocross riding a bit, but for me now it's, um, you know, the ocean, you know, paddleboarding sports and, uh, surfing and still skateboarding is, um, you know, that's where my roots lie. And then I just add everything else into it, which is the functional training. Um, you know, the boxing, kickboxing, which I've done and then just running, general running daily. Wow. And obviously with the paddleboarding, you were doing 800 kilometers when uh you broke that world record but when you were doing all of these previous sports were you always doing them for long distances and endurance or were you just doing them for shorter periods for the 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 joys of the extreme sports i guess yeah pretty much for the joys of it but i've always like um, i've been thinking about it a lot a lot lately and uh i've always pushed myself beyond the limits and uh, try to get the most out of my body that I can. Even when I was doing uh, Muay Thai kickboxing training, like I would just wanted to get really good. So I would just do jabs nonstop for eight hours. So just a left punch for eight hours nonstop on the bag. And then the next day, I'd just do right hand for eight hours. Next day, left kicks for eight hours and sort of just push myself um, that way. And always, I've always done functional training and train like, what they call CrossFit now and functional training now. But for me, that was just general training where I'd fill buckets of sand and, you know, walk along with soft sand on the beach with chains wrapped around me or dragging tires or always flipping tires, you know, from, you know, the age of 17 sort of thing going down to the, uh, the truck depots and finding big truck tires to flip over and using sledgehammers and all that sort of stuff. So what's sort of becoming more common now to be used um, I mean, that's how I've just trained all my life, really. Eight hours. I don't think I could do eight minutes. How do you push yourself further to do that? Surely there must come a point after, say, 20 minutes where you're like, oh, I'm done with that. What pushes you to go that huge distance? Yeah, look, I mean, all those things keep creeping up in the back of your mind constantly. Like, even before I get started, like, for a run, I think, oh, really, am I going for a run today? I don't even want to. But uh, once I get started, I, I know what I want my end goal to be. So I just uh, I just keep pushing myself for it to get there. That's it. And I, I don't do anything. Like I don't really compete. I don't race. I only do it for myself to get the, the most that I can out of myself. Okay. So tell us why you decided to do 800 kilometers worth of paddleboarding. Tell us the background behind that. Okay. So for me... Uh, like I, I grew up in a pretty, you know, with a pretty traumatic childhood and, you know, I just dealt with a PTSD that was attached to it all my life and, you know, it was just haunting me and just sort of, you know, had these demons that were just clawing at me trying to get out daily. So it's just um, after trying a lot of things like traveling the world and different sports and all that sort of stuff and businesses, I um, decided I was just going to break everything really 
back down to the bare minimum and just start uh, rebuilding my foundations from ground up again. But in order to do that, I just wanted to think about where I felt the most peace and that was back in the ocean when I was surfing on the Gold Coast. So for me, it was sort of a no-brainer just to go back there and that's that's where I'd start except this time I, I picked up paddleboarding. So I knew I was going to feel quite vulnerable out doing it because even though I'd surfed, it's a, it's a little bit different uh, position that you're putting yourself in like with your knees up on the board and just leaning down forward using your arms. You know, and uh, you're just out in the middle of the ocean by yourself and whatever's going to come up in your head, you have to deal with yourself, really. So that was sort of um, very appealing for me as a, as a test in itself. But what I got out of it, I, you know, could never have imagined where my, where my life was going to go. And so I just kept on paddleboarding and uh, then I just started looking up world records, basically, because you know, I needed something I need to work towards as well, not just my own... Um, just not just clearing my own head, and then uh, just kept going, and then figured, all right, I'll uh, I'll paddle from Gold Coast down to Sydney, which is 800 kilometres, and I'll build up momentum along the way and raise awareness against child abuse. But for me, once I got into Bondi, that was the first time that I was able to really reflect on the whole journey, the whole 17 days, and uh, you know, it's the first time in my life in in you know near 40 years that. I'd, uh, I'd found peace, something I never thought I would ever reach, really. And, and I guess it's I hit myself in a, in a place where I don't think many other people would experience. You know, like, uh, I mean, over, even on the first two days of the paddling 800 kilometres, I nearly died 10 times, either by eaten by sharks or washed across reefs, starvation, um, dehydration, everything was sort of happened just in the last few days. And, uh, you know, if I didn't have the, uh, the, the mental endurance that I'd built myself up to, well, I probably would have stopped. But I knew I had another 15 days to go and I knew it was going to keep on happening. So, you know, I just kept on pushing on, really. I'm glad I did. Yeah, wow. Amazing. And so it's been one of the worst times in Australia for sharks and shark attacks recently. Yeah. Are you scared of them? How prepared were you for them? What What did you do for measures for them? Well, you, you, I mean, you, you can't really prepare yourself too much for them because you don't really know what's going to happen. But at the same time, like, you know they're out there. I've seen sharks before, not as close as what they came to me on this one or not as big um, that I saw on this paddle. But, um, you know, like I had a knife strapped to the board. Whether that would have done anything or not, it, I don't know because... Usually when they came up close to me, I, I would go for the GoPro instead of the knife anyway. So I was just like, I kind of just start laughing at myself out in the water, just standing there with this shark going by me, hanging on this GoPro, you know, trying to trying to get a shot if I can. But uh, the, uh, you know, they were, they were out there. I just, after the first couple of ones, like I only had really one major one where, you know, one come up and knocked me off the board and everything and, the, um, you know, and then I got washed across a reef, so it was hanging around a little bit. But uh, the other ones, they kind of, they'd just go by, I'd look at them, I'd wait a little bit, and then I'd just keep on paddling and keep on going. You know, it sort of, it wasn't really going to deter me from coming in and giving up. Like, I knew they were there, and it was just one of the challenges I had to face. And, you know, for me, that's, um, 
that you know that's what life's about you, there's challenges along the way you deal with them and you keep on going you know there's for me it's the the paddles definitely changed my life in that aspect and I know what my goals are and I just chip things off along the way and I deal with the challenges at hand and then I just keep on rolling did you ever feel lonely on the on the journey uh sometimes you're quite occupied because you know even though it's the same motion that you're doing the whole time and you know it's quite a boring thing if you if you were to sort of think about it you know you're just looking two meters ahead of your board there's only ocean in front your arms you're laying on a board you're paddling and and that's it you know for eight to 13 hours a day for 17 days straight but uh at the same time you know you're looking around for sharks you're looking at you know, freak waves that are going to come in and wash you across reefs. You're looking at your water supplies, your food supplies, um, where the next headland is. Should should you paddle in on this headland and hug the coast or go straight across? Like, you know, there's kind of a lot that goes on through your head to keep you occupied and then you sing to yourself and all that sort of stuff as well, I guess, you know. Ah, uh, so that's, that's what you replace the iPod for. So where people are normally listening, you're actually singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, my singing's way better for sure. <laughs> oh, I look forward to the album. I'll, I'll make sure I'll plug it on the show if you get it. it sounds, what type of music was it? Oh, mate, I'd, I'd sing absolutely everything. Probably the worst songs, but, uh, you know, I'd just, you end up just singing your own words to them or humming along or something, you know. I, I can't think of anything in particular, but, yeah, I just... That'd always end up changing the words just to try and get the song out of your head, really. Brilliant. So not even covers. We've got fresh material coming from you, Damien. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. So, again, because of the sharks, at times you'd have a few beach closures and you might not be able to do the next part of your paddle, perhaps yeah. or at the schedule you'd like. How frustrating was that mentally? So it was, um, it kind of wasn't too bad because where they'd closed the beaches was down near Sydney and Newcastle. So the by the time I'd got down there was kind of ish the day that they were first opening up one of the main beaches where the major major attacks were. So I uh, I ended up paddling through, but it was at that beach at Merriweather where. Uh, me and a guy who was paddling with me that day on a surf ski, we ended up getting stalked by one, about 3.5 metre white. And uh, we ended up coming in, they closed the beach again, they had to wait a bit, then uh, continue my journey again. But it was, um, you know, it was just one of those things that I just had to deal with and I knew that was going to happen. I was kind of lucky I was able to go as far as I, I did at that time and didn't get held up too much, really. But, uh, but also, you know, in looking back, you know, I'm, uh, people have asked me, would I do it again? And I kind of thought, do you know what? I probably would do it again and just jump in the water and not really make a song and a dance about it and not make a film, just go and paddle, you know, and just paddle down there again. But after doing the documentary and going and retracing everything everywhere where I stopped, just to interview people along the way who, uh, who, who saw me, the, um, you know, I was able to reflect on what had happened in each section and, you know, I probably wouldn't do it again. I just, I think myself lucky that I made it the first time and, um, and I don't really need to do it again. Like I've got nothing else to prove on this. There's so many other challenges I've, I've got coming ahead as well, but 
yeah, I mean, I just think I was pretty lucky to make it the first time for sure because I had no support, no boat support, no anything like that, no EPIRBs or anything. So it was just sort of me and the board and the ocean and the marine life. Whatever was going to happen was going to happen. I just had to deal with it and hopefully keep going, which I did. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. More with Damien in just a moment, but I just wanted to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, the listeners of The Best in the World with Richard Parr podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They've got over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or mp3 player i can't rate it more highly myself i use it it's really good definitely use audible to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com forward slash best again that's audibletrial.com forward slash best for your free audiobook I'm sure Damien Ryder would have enjoyed listening to an audiobook, but he couldn't because he was on a paddleboard. It would have got his iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player wet. Instead, he had to sing and talk to himself. So let's get back to Damien Ryder. He is the best in the world. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. So what were you eating each day to refuel? So on the board, I didn't really carry too much. Like I'd have kiwa flakes with protein powder. That would sort of be my food source and a few muesli bars and might smuggle on some bananas or something like that on a couple of the legs. But I didn't really carry too much. I just kind of really fed up in the morning. So I'd have 
you know, 250 grams of rice, three bananas, protein powder, six eggs, um, sort of just mix all that in together in the microwave and, and try and get that down like till I'm bursting at the seams pretty much. And then that would usually last me about four to six hours in the water before I would start feeling hungry. And then I could just sort of nibble on something or just have a little shake or something like that and, and just keep on going. But after sort of the few first, and then once I'd got in, I'd eat like, you know, two, two large pizzas and a whole chicken or something like that. Like I'd really feed up on the way in. And then I'd just uh, really replenish myself with like hydrolytes and electrolytes at night and like have a liter before I set off in the morning. And that really helped me for my hydration. So I didn't rely on the water too much. So after about you know, uh, nine days, I guess. Well, I was probably like paddling 13 hours and only really needing 500 mils to a litre of water. Like my body was just, just got really used to it and just kept pushing on. So I just used uh, the, the hydrolytes and the electrolytes where I thought was best and it and seemed to work well for me to not dehydrate too much and get headaches or anything. It is amazing how the body can adapt to different yeah, situations. For sure. So documentary makers got on board, uh, Nat Geo. H how did that happen? Okay, so what happened was we were going to, like I, I was filming on the way down just on my GoPro and I had some mates who, are, um, who make surf movies, like award-winning surf cinematographers. So they came on board and, you know, we started shooting something and we put together something that was, uh, we, we thought it was probably going to be half hour sort of uh, episode and then we went to Nat Geo and sent them the teaser and they sort of called us in and said, look, have you got a full feature length of it? We said, well, we're going to have to do some more shots and go into the backstory and Ed, um, we're like, yeah, cool, all right, we'll do that. So we ended up taking a few more months and just really diving into why I did it and just going and uh, visiting my past that, you know, in places I hadn't been to for 20 years and some of them, you know, 34 years I, I hadn't been there, um, you know, just where these uh, childhood issues happened, I guess, to, to me. And we just interviewed people there and I just um, spoke about what I'd gone through and the reason why I was doing this and the reason why I formed a, an organisation called PACA, which is Paddle Against Child Abuse, and it just sort of led on from there. And then we went and gave all the footage to Nat Geo and they loved it. And they put something together, which was something pretty remarkable. I think like for me, it's, it's something I'm very proud of, how the story was told and uh, just how they really captured everything. And, it, and it's still very raw and it's, and it's real. There's nothing fabricated in it. There's nothing scripted. It's just... Uh, you know, me talking to the camera and these other people just, you know, on the one takes and that was, that's what was getting used and, you know, people can really um, relate to it from watching it and just, you know, from the response after going out on, uh, on National Geographic, you know, I've had over 800 private messages through Facebook, people finding me on Facebook and messaging me saying they're inspired in, in some way or another or thanking me for being a voice for them, which for me, you know, that was, uh, you know, that makes me more proud of the film because that's what it's all about. It's about 
helping giving the voice to other people. It's and I'm just the driving force behind it, really. Like the films, even though I'm talking and talking about my issues, it's not really about me. It's about everyone as a whole. You know, the one in five people that this affects in the world. And uh, so it's just about trying to give people that voice, and and it's really done that. So it's yeah, it's definitely something I'm proud of. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I haven't seen it yet. It's something I'm, I'm going to watch over the next few days. Is it online anywhere for people to watch? No, it's not online yet. It's just uh, just with Nat Geo at the moment here in Australia. But um, we're just I've just been with him yesterday because they've just picked up the second part of it. So it's a three-part feature-length series now. Um, so the next one's with five other people speaking out and what's happened to me in the past year, to, you know, after the paddle and just... Uh, really thinking about the change that's happened in my life since the paddle and the training for it, just so I can use those tools to help others. And, and that's what I've kind of been concentrating on in the last three, four months, I guess, just really working on uh, helping other people with it, just with training techniques and breathing techniques, just to get them through whatever they're going through and, and uh, keep moving forward. But this, uh, I was, while I was down there, the mentioned that The Heart of the Sea, the first film's just uh, rated in the top 20 documentaries in Australia at the moment, So, which is pretty good. It seems it's only played for a month so far. Wow, fantastic. So we're pretty happy yeah. about that. Yeah. No, that, that's really good. Tell us a bit more about um, PACA. What, what are the next goals for the charity? Is there, is there anything you're, you're going to do with it to, to raise more awareness? Yeah, definitely. Look, so Packer's not a charity at all. It's just like I don't ask for money off anyone. I just I'm, I'm happy doing everything myself. Um, some corporate sponsors come on board to uh, with me and and with the projects that I'm doing, and I'm and I'm all for that because that helps them as well. That's marketing for them. But um, I, for me, you know, it's I'm not in a rush to do what I need to do. But the end goal is to have beach houses all over the world where I can hands-on help these kids. But even just before that, like I'm going to start setting up these training facilities and the first one's going to be here on the Gold Coast. So I've got a uh, meeting this weekend to sort out one here on the Gold Coast to start off with. And then the second one's in uh, in Santa Monica in the States. So these uh, these training facilities, they're not going to be like any commercial gym. It's, you know, it's uh, going to have equipment in there that, I use and I know that works and certain training methods that I use that I know work for physical and uh, mental aspect of it, I guess, and just try and help kids who don't have the opportunities that some of the others may to get and reach their sporting potential. So I'll just sort of uh, just work on, on those people and also just adults and, and youth who are still struggling with things that had happened at an early age just to help them break through and find a little bit more peace and a little bit more comfort in their life also just, just with certain techniques that I use. And last year you became the Men's Health Man of the Year. What does yeah. something like that feel like when you get given that crown? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like for me, uh, I don't know. Like I guess when I was a bit younger, I thought, oh, yeah, that'd be cool to be on there, you know. But for for me, like it's definitely a great thing, you know, and it's it's an honour for me to 
be on on Men's Health magazine cover. Like it's just you know it's a top selling health magazine in Australia, if not the world. And it's you know it's a great magazine. But you know um, for me it was just uh, it was just a stepping stone. Like I didn't expect to win at all, even on the night. Um, I thought it was going to be one of the other guys, and they called my name. So it was a little bit of a surprise to me. But just to be selected, you know, for the first 12, really, then down to the six, and then to be selected to be, you know, the, the, the man of the year was, um, you know, it was like it was a great honour for me. And I just, um, yeah, but it was kind of just a stepping stone for me, I guess. And it's, I've, try to use it to my advantage to help with with my cause and you know men's health have been amazing absolutely amazing to me and really helped me with my cause and anything I need to promote they're always there to to back me up with it so it's you know it's I've formed a really nice long-standing relationship with them which is really good it's um yeah I don't know it was seeing me on the cover was pretty funny like I kind of avoid those aisles when I was going shopping and you know you'd see people pick up the magazine they'd look at me and look at the front cover and look at me again and I'd be off you know <laughs> run it down some aisle so but, uh, yeah it was, it was alright so no selfies with the magazine with people in in the supermarket checkout lanes oh uh, not really <laughs> like I had to do a fitness expo and there was like a life size of the um, of the cover and I had to do like photos next, standing next to that. So that was pretty funny. But, um, <laughs> and like it, it was, I mean, it was great. It was fantastic. And apparently it was, a, it's the top selling magazine to date as well, the cover that I was on. So that was, that was quite a good thing. So, and because that's happened, it looks like Men's Health US may have a look at it sort of thing. But so, you know, so the, everything for me, it just, everything that helps towards Packer and what I do with that. Well, it's a bonus for me, for sure. Yeah, fantastic. No, congratulations. So a friend of mine's taking on his first triathlon, and I noticed on your Facebook page you have shown a lot of videos of showing explosive techniques and short sprints and speed. And I know you spoke earlier about doing, say, eight hours of jabs and stuff, but for something like a triathlon or a marathon or the 800-kilometer paddle that you did... Um, yeah. How important are these uh, explosive uh, exercises, and and could you take on a big endurance test just by doing that? Uh, I think you know, I'll, I mix everything up really. So I do explosive, and I do strength training, and I do endurance training as well. There's no um, there's no one particular thing that's going to help you. Like I don't think you'd be just at explosive that that's going to be the only thing that you need to do to do triathlons because you've got to do more than that. You know, you're going a lot more than just a short little burst, but you do need that, those muscles, you know, developing as well. So you can put it in when, when you want, you know, like to, for oh, when you're finishing or you're blasting up the hill, you want to get past someone, whatever it is, you know, you, you still need those explosive muscles there and that, that memory of them there. But, you know, I'm a big fan of, of strength training as well, which I know a lot of triathletes just hate. You know, don't touch a weight. But for me, like, you, 
it's such a long time that you're out there, like whether you're doing a marathon, whether you're doing a paddle or triathlon, whatever it is, it's, it's a long time that you're drawing off the muscle. So for me, it makes more sense to, to build up those bigger muscles as well. So you've got something big to draw off over that time and some, some strength to draw off there. So you're not just, you know, ripping it out of the, uh, out of the little ones. So it's, um, yeah, you know, it's not strength like bodybuilding, but it's sort of pretty much the same, but so long as you're strengthening the whole body and the whole body's working in unison together as, as strength and a unit together. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think definitely you got to combine everything. Okay, really sure. interesting. So what's your next uh, goal, your next project? What, what are you up to next in your life? Right, okay. So I've just finished one, which the next film, uh, the next, so it's Heart of the Sea 2, Rise Above. So National Geographic, you just picked that up and they've, they've started editing that now. So that'll be out in about three months' time. So with that one, I was trying to do 430Ks in three days. This is three laps of Phuket Island. First was going to be prone paddleboard, second lap, of 150k so was going to be stand up paddleboard and third lap was going to be uh, running around um, it was pretty much an impossible ask of myself so that was three days non-stop no sleep wow so it was i knew it was going to be an impossible ask but uh, there was some, like i really needed to test if my if i'd really beaten pdsd because a lot of people have asked me about it so you know of this year all the challenges i've done they're really sort of tests for me so this one was going to be like a major test, and it was only I was only had a slim chance of making it if I had perfect conditions and perfect equipment with me. I would have had a very very slim chance of, of making it. Started off alright, but the problem was I was trying to prone paddleboard, which is on hands and knees or laying down, on a stand up paddleboard. So I had had no rudder or anything like that. So it was very hard to steer. So as soon as the wind came in. It was just absolutely impossible to steer. I was just absolutely screaming at the board, and it was probably the most frustrating paddle I've ever had to date. And then, um, and then I ended up standing up on it. So, what ended up happening in the end? I paddled seventy-five kilometers, so thirteen and a half hours. So through the day and then through the night, and nearly got shot by a Burmese crew on a uh, on a moored tanker ship oh as well goodness. along the way and then nearly hit by some other boats like trawlers that were going out tie trawlers that were going out and they were just plowing straight past me and i had no lights on at this stage so i, I thought i would have got around a little bit quicker and then um got off the board and then met up with a couple of other guys and then i ran for 110 k's so on the run when i started running it was like flat out Summer, Thailand, 91, humidity, out of control, 34, 35-degree day. Roads are probably about 40. Some big hills. The first 55K were just big hills along the coastline. And, you know, we are just trying to find any bit of shadow along the way, just to, like, scoot along as, as we're shuffling along. Then it rained a little bit, so only for about 10 10 minutes, but it was enough to wet the shoes and wet the socks to cause ridiculous blisters under the feet. So for the last sort of 30 k's, I just sort of shuffled along with these crazy like cricket balls under my feet. It was like, oh my goodness! And then, um, then I I got to about 106 k's. So it was 110 k's I had to run. 104 k's I'd done. So I had six k to go, and my body just shut down. And it's nothing I'd ever ever experienced in my life before, but I'd really pushed myself beyond 
what uh, what my body could take. You know, my mind kept on saying go, but I was just standing on the sidewalk, just blowing in the wind, really. And uh, I just couldn't move. And there was a physio there, and he was spraying the back of my legs with his sort of magic spray stuff to meant to keep it going and I was having gels and having these caps that had better Arlene in them just try and give me a pep up to go but uh, my head was going yeah sweet my eyes popping out of my head going yep yeah, let's go let's go let's go even though I'd only I'd gone 21 hours at this stage run but I'd been awake physically going for 34 and a half hours um there yeah, then my body just shut down and I just I couldn't move at all. I tried for about 10, 15 minutes and my body just couldn't move. And uh, But it was kind of funny at the same time and I wasn't disappointed with myself at all. You know, I was just happy. I, I'd, I'd beaten my mind and uh, so I fell in the car, got dropped home, went home, had a little sleep for about six hours, got up, had a bit of a feed and it was still the same day. So I had three days to do this challenge in that I'd set for myself. So I got, uh, got my mate to drop me back out there and and I finished the 6K. So I had no time to really think about it. So I went back out in my thongs, my flip-flops. and But because I had to pop the blisters underneath the feet so I could get moving, that means there was all ooze going on my thongs and uh, rubbing on Ooh. my feet. So I get blisters on the blisters and trying to shuffle along. And, like, and I was just, you know, I was trying to walk like a wounded duck, really. Like I wasn't even moving that fast, probably... Half a cane hour is probably all I was doing. And then, uh, so I had to go into a 7-Eleven, get some socks, put it on. So I had socks underneath the flip-flops and no top on, hat backwards, trying to shuffle along. Like, yeah, it was like, it was quite a sight. Like the, the, the faces of the, the Thai locals when I was shuffling past them was just, <laughs> oh man, priceless really. I was thinking, what's this guy doing, you know? And then, uh, then I finally got, my mate brought me some shoes and I was able to finish it off. And the other two guys who who had done the run with me, I let them go on the, on the morning and just said, "Yeah, you guys finish this thing." And so they got down to the pier. We started out at the end of the pier, but they finished at the at the start of the pier, and then waited for me to get there, basically. And then we all walked out together, and I finished what I was trying to do. Wow! Congratulations. That sounds amazing. It's a mate. It's amazing how your mind was saying go, but your body was just shutting down. Because very often it's the opposite. Like yeah, your body can probably can go, but your mind stops. Um, have you always yep. had that mindset? Uh, no, no, I, I don't know. Like I've always been able to go, but of course, you know, your mind plays tricks on on you. Even if you, even if I'm going for a, you know, two three k run, it'll go. Oh, I just walk. You know, I just walk now. You know, and sometimes you know, I go, oh, yeah, well, shit, I'll just walk. But um, this time, like, I, I knew I had to get to, I knew the goal, I knew I, knew I needed to get out to the end of the pier and, um, you know, I really pushed myself beyond and because I, I was so positive the whole way, like, not one stage should I ever think, oh, that's it, I've got to give up, I've got to stop now or these blisters are too much or the feet are too sore or, or anything, you know, I just... Um, I stayed positive the whole way and, you know, just ate some pineapple pieces and <laughs> just kept on going, really. <laughs> That's amazing. The pineapple pieces sound like they saved the day. It's, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's great. Damien, really appreciate your time. Before we go, maybe you could just tell people how they can continue to follow your progress, 
how they can continue to follow Packer on social media or on any websites and how they can watch things on Nat Geo. If you could just tell our listeners, that would be great. Yeah, definitely. Look, if uh, you, can, you can always look me up on Facebook. Just look up Damien Ryder or just Google Damien Ryder, R-I-D-E-R. Um, I've got an athlete page. And then for Packer, it's just Paddle Against Child Abuse. So that's on Facebook as well. And if anyone out there is you know, gone through any sort of trauma or anything in their life and just want to, you know, chew the fat and just ask any questions whatsoever or even any training advice, just feel free to drop me a line. I I answer to absolutely everyone straight away. Um, I'll I'll make sure I give everyone that respect that that they've given me to, to reach out for sure. Damien, incredible achievement, incredible story. Thank you for being the best in the world. Thank you. (laughs) It's awesome. Thanks. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Really good to have Damien on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please go back and maybe listen to some of the others we've had on The Best in the World. We've had rugby world champions, hockey Olympic gold medalists, kayak gold medalists, We've had football world champions. We've had all of the people who have reached the pinnacles of their careers. And you can learn from them in your sporting ambitions or just your everyday life. If you want to know more about me, please go to the website richardparr.net. You can also follow me on Twitter. That's at Richard underscore Parr. Love to get your feedback on the show. That's how we can make it better. Remember, if you listen on iTunes, please click the download, the subscribe, the rate and the review. It really helps improve the quality of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Damien Ryder and I will speak to you next week. Have a good one. Cheers. Goodbye. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.